with troubles, with tricks. Who's he gonna talk to now? What's he gonna talk about? Where are we gonna go? Travels with tricks. And we're back. It's Saturday, Travels with Triggs, and today we are speaking with my friend Luke Forbes, who lives in Narrowsburg. He is a fitness coach, a personal trainer, and an actor with lots of ideas to share. Say good morning to everybody, Luke. Howdy, everyone. I'm Luke Forbes. Pleasure to be here, Greg. Thanks so much. And how are things going? You just moved into New York, you uh, Narrowsburg, right? Yes, yes. Uh about a month ago, uh, full time, you know, I've been, as you know, I've been up here for quite a bit, uh, let's say the last year and a half, two years. Uh, so it's been a, a little journey, but now I'm here full time and it, it, it's awesome. I'm, I'm really pleased. Luke is one of those guys, everyone, who makes everything around him better. I don't know the tool or the superpower, but already even at his place, there's a beautiful new fence that was so needed. Uh, you can already feel his impact on the community. And speaking of your impact on the community, you are a personal trainer working out of the Hive on Main Street in New York. How did you how did you begin that practice? Oh wow! Um, if I'm honest, it, it it kind of started out of a personal need uh, about. 10 years ago, about, uh, yes, 10 years ago this past January, January 7th to be exact, I had my second surgery for a sarcoma. So I had cancer. Um, now it's weird. I, I only of late when people ask, I say it readily because there's cancer and then there's cancer, right? And I, I didn't have the latter. It was operable, um, very treatable and, you know, all that, but it needed to be taken care of. And um, you know, in the process of all that, I learned quite a bit because, you know, I, I don't have a hereditary predisposition to cancer. It was very odd, you know, in terms of me having it and no one else in my family ever having suffered or dealt with anything like that before. And um, kind of led me down a rabbit hole where I learned quite a bit about just environmental toxins, things that I was doing that probably contributed to um, the development of this growth. Um, it was a, it was a form of skin cancer. Um, and I just kind of did a really, you know, significant deep dive on how one things like this might come about, how I maybe in hindsight could have prevented it or taken care of myself in such a way that like, maybe I didn't require the surgeries. I did come to some kind of conclusion that while the surgery was necessary and super helpful and I was blessed to have access to Memorial Sloan Kettering to do it. But I do feel at some level within my psyche that I probably could have healed myself, <laughs> if you will. Um, and so that it came out of that. Um, now, I didn't start a practice in the health and fitness coaching until about a year and a half ago, because the knowledge that I had accumulated and friends of mine around me were when they, I guess they were taking notice of the fact that I was taking care of myself in such a way that, you know, they wanted to understand more about that. I'd be helping people gratis, you know, with things and they were seeing results. And I think it, it came about, well, it was like, okay, I have this wealth of knowledge. I've, I've done this educational aspect of it. Well, maybe I ought to 
start helping people and in moving to Narrowsburg and um, becoming friends with Susan Mendoza, who's the owner of the Chi Hive, I train her. And it was one of these things where I didn't really think that I was going to expand it beyond nutritional advice, but it, it just kind of has taken on a life of its own. I'm really happy it has because people need the help and it's actually, you know, yielding benefits. One of the, the greatest things about doing it is what I learn from the clients. And you, you've been in the room when I work with people and it's really nice to just watch people one gain knowledge, but then come to realize they can do things that they otherwise, you know, didn't know or wouldn't have known they could do. So that's really cool. Well, let's talk about that for a second. Now, within the possibilities within wellness, number one, what a testament when the owner of the gym chooses you as their personal trainer. But number two, not everyone does have access to a gym. So when we talk about some of the things you've learned, could you share a couple of tips with people who might be at the beginning of the journey or not have access to regular attendance at a fitness studio. Yeah, absolutely. And I, you know, so much of what I, what I do with my clients is start from where they're at, right? There's no, I don't have this kind of um, typical idea or sense of fitness. You know, I think, I think, you know, do we have like elite athletes out there? Sure. You know, we've got our Olympians in the world and I think those people are aspirational, but they're few and far between. And I think one of the major mistakes that we make in everyday life is like, I want to be like that guy. Well, that person is exceptional, <laughs> you know, and it probably is not the healthiest thing to try to emulate that person. You will fight, you'll fizzle out. It's not possible, et cetera, et cetera. And one of the major aspects of my um, philosophy and, and what I engage with my clients is one, understanding where they're at. So there's a series of things that I do in terms of just assessments and movement is my, my game. You know, movement is medicine. So you don't need a gym to be outside. You don't need a gym to walk. You don't need a gym to, uh, you know, to, to jog or sprint and then bring yourself to a rest and do that over again, right? Um, I do recommend folks, especially if you're starting from a very beginning phase, is get reacquainted with how your body even works, right? Like starting points. So whether it's literal, just body weight things, I mean, literally getting up and sitting down repeatedly, uh, I'm a big proponent of that. but even to my clients who are incredibly fit, you know, um, Susan, I brought her up and I hope she doesn't mind that I'm using her as an example. You know, she's an incredibly fit person already, a capable person. One of the things that I recommend to someone like her is in those times where you wanna go, 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 where you might overtrain is to scale it back and just go for a walk, you know, just, just start moving. And take advantage of where we live. I mean, there are beautiful trails. There are wonderful opportunities. We've got the river. We've got hiking trails. Indeed, indeed. And I, myself as an example, you know, I'm, I'm very good at the go, 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 go. And something that I've actually is part of my personal protocol right now. I'm training myself to slow down because I've noticed that I've been overtrained. There's elements of things where my sleep has been 
been a bit awkward the last several months and I'm actually finding in that, okay, I don't need to be at a 10 all the time. Actually, if I'm at a five or a seven in between that range, I'm yielding cardiovascular benefits where before I was just kind of fatigued and a little worn out all the time. So you can be incredibly fit, but not terribly healthy. You know, that that's, it's, there's these paradoxical things that come into play with this work and it's a practice, you know? So I, I try to, you know, let people know it's a journey. It's okay to start where you're at and just, just moving in whatever way, not only that you have available to, but that feels good is the most important thing. Consistency and, is the game. And let's talk about nutrition. Uh, as another factor in starting awareness or becoming more fit. Uh, what kind of diet do you pursue? And is it, again, exceptional or is it something you find that is easy to deal with every day? Uh, I'm, I find it's easy to deal with, but I'm on autopilot and it, it, it's taken me a while to get there, right? So I think to someone who who's looking at what I how I eat or how I feel myself, it might seem exceptional. Um, I'm an omnivore. I don't preach any kind of dietary practice or protocol, but what I do highlight for my clients is we as human beings, generally speaking, we all need some very basic things. We all need our micronutrients that literally fuel our bodies, whether we're active or not. Uh, we need, um, can we define micronutrient for people listening? Sure. Your, your kind of core vitamins and minerals, you know, so I recommend to every single one of my clients that they be on a quality multivitamin. I, I try to gear them towards something that's not kind of off the pharmacy shelf, something non-synthetic if they can access it. That being said, you know, I'm a big proponent of getting all of those things from our whole foods. So they're supplements for a reason. They supplement what hopefully will be baseline for folks. And so I consume a lot of animal protein. I also consume a lot of fruit and vegetables. And when I say a lot, you know, so I'm a big proponent of increasing the protein intake for my clients. You know, by and large, most people aren't getting enough protein, which I think of the macronutrients, which is your proteins, your fats, your carbohydrates, protein is oftentimes severely lacking. And that's because of certainly trends and we're watching what we eat. And I think we've come to, you know, come to think that, oh, you know, fat is bad and I, I can't eat carbs. And, um, and it's like, well, that depends. And it depends on, again, where you're at, your particular situation. But by and large, everyone needs to consume more protein. Now, how you get that protein, I leave it up to the person. If you're a vegan, perhaps you're a vegetarian. Uh, for ethical reasons, I understand those elements. That being said, we all need our essential amino acids and they come from proteins and we've got to find a way to, to access that. Now, hopefully that's through your whole foods. If not, I recommend, uh, you know, quality supplements to my to my clients, whether that be in the form of uh, uh, protein shakes, plant based or not, um, amino acid supplements, so that they are building muscle mass and keeping the muscle that they have on their bodies. Because as 
the research shows that's the core driver of metabolic health. Um, it doesn't really do us any good to be incredibly active and, you know, consuming, you know, heaps of salads and what have you when you're not supporting the actual kind of base infrastructure of the human body, which is muscle. And, uh, you know, again, you can be doing some of the right things and have some of the right ingredients in the overall formula, but the formula might be lacking in other ways. So we, 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 try, to, we try to fill those holes. We try to identify what's going on with people, and I try to fill those holes uh, nutritionally. Um, and now let's talk about your career as an actor. How, let's start by saying, how do you juggle the two concerns? How do you juggle having two diverse career paths? Yeah. Um, and, you know, I think I, I get tagged with this a lot in town just because I, I am up to a lot of things up here. And the beauty, I think, of being a resident of this community is that that's supported. And um, unlike being in the city where anonymity is is kind of great to a degree, but then you find that you you, jo you don't have these attachments or these connections to community. So here, I think people the diversity of talents and then people who have multiple talents, it's kind of called forward. You know, you're helping your neighbors out. You have an opportunity to be of service here and there. So I've found that as an artist, I'm trying to make my whole life feel <laughs> like a work of art. I mean, that might sound pretentious, but it's true in that I'm, tr I, I'm aiming to have all the things that I like to do and I'm passionate about just kind of factor into my every day. Uh, so I don't know that I'd separate, of course, they're two different things. I don't know though that I separate the, um, the passion for health and wellness apart from the acting. It's like, if I'm not well, if I don't feel good, if I'm not healthy, I can't do my job or I can't do it as well as I, I'd like to do it. So I've married the two. Um, I think that you know, I, I came out of the, the school of New York acting where, you know, in the 20 aughts where it's like, you know, if I'm a real artist, I'm up all night, I'm at the bar with my friends, you know, I'm, I'm <laughs> you know, that thing. And, and that's cool. I mean, I think that we have a, we have a cultural bent towards that in the American history, well, in, in arts, you know. Mm -hmm the arts tend to find folk who are really wrestling with these aspects of life, right? And, and there's no shortage of tortured souls that we, we kind of revere and look up to artistically. Uh, I just said to myself at one point, again, it came back to my own personal journey where I just found that I couldn't do my best work if I was hungover all the time, if I didn't feel good, you know? Um, and so it kind of was one of those things where they kind of tumbled into one another. Uh, I remember Ben Kingsley, I was listening to an interview with him one time and he said, uh, he was speaking about this aspect of, you know, his contemporaries, whether they were Richard Burton or Peter O'Toole, you know, these guys were famous, infamous or famous for their bar hopping and, and uh, they're drinking and all the rest. And he's like, look, you work for them. But he's like, I don't really dabble in this stuff because I'm, I'm a channel, I'm an actor, everything flows through me. And if, it's, if I'm cut off from anything, 
then I can't do my job as well as I otherwise would. And that really resonated with me. And I've I done, think people know, underestimate the amount of discipline and training and intention that goes into being a performer. Because absolutely. when we're younger, we're surrounded by people who have a natural spark for it, but mm -hmm. they aren't going to pursue it. And so I think a lot of people are unaware of the pursuit. No question. I, I think that's absolutely right. And even myself as, as an actor, and I, so I played, this is actually, a, 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 I played Richard III in an off-Broadway production of Richard III. And you know that if you know the play, you know it's a beast of a play. And I, I remember opening night, great. You know, you go off or you have drinks with folks and the, the following day I had a two day uh, show. Two show day. Too, yeah, two show day, right. And I, I, I stayed up way too late and had way too much to drink and muscled through that weekend. And I remember just saying to myself, never again. You know, the the fact that I can do something doesn't mean that I should. <laughs> so That's an excellent point. And luckily you were you know, playing a character that's a little cranky anyway. So if your energy right. is off, you know, use it. Right, totally. Um, I threw it in there, but I, I felt awful. Now you uh, have transitioned from a theatrical focus to pursuing film and television. And so talk about how you made that transition, how and what skills are required? What did you how did you have to recalibrate? I think, you know, coming out of acting school and getting into the business and like I finished acting school 2008 to 2009 and I was one of those at the time you know, the, the formula was at least to my mind was like, okay, you go to a great program, you come out, you have some access to these casting directors. Let's say you get cast in a play in New York, you know, Woody Allen might be sitting in the audience, you get noticed. And then, you know, that's, the, that's the, or you get a great times write up. And, and then, you know, that's kind of generally how it would go, right? You, whether it's independent films, or then, you know, you're kind of shuffled off to Los Angeles to, to work. But the business changed and it at once, you know, the, the streaming opportunities, the opportunities to get your work out there and not be associated with some institution or studio became more kind of accessible to New York uh, talent and particular playwrights and getting, you know, into the TV scene. And I think that certainly worked for some, but the turnover for all talent, talent just didn't, it didn't, it wasn't that way across the board. And I think that in some ways, um, the business, while this kind of expansion of opportunity kind of became more apparent, the business at the same time is shrinking. You know, you kind of see this, and look, I get it, right? There's no, uh, there's, it's rational, right? You, you know, the talent that, it's well known kind of there's a regurgitation you're kind of in that feedback loop and the, the point of it is to put butts and seats and you you know if you're if you're somebody who's a creative but is you know kind of focused on bottom line stuff well it only makes sense that you get that person who just won an award or was in the last hottest thing so you can put butts in seats but i think for the young actor that idea of being discovered in that kind of traditional kind of apprenticeship way 
fizzled out to a degree. It just it it wasn't the same thing. I, I'm not really articulating this perhaps very well, but no, I understand it, what what you mean. It's interesting, isn't it, to be an artist in an era of unprecedented change and and unlimited access in a way right everyone now has the ability to make a video or sure. fundamentally edit it you know not finesse um but you did just have a wonderful opportunity to tell everyone about your latest film uh yeah so i well the latest big film <laughs> i played opposite uh channing tatum in a movie called dog very kind of uh, cute and heartwarming <laughs> uh, film that did very well last year. It was in a one comedy in America for months, and that was that's nice. And the most recent film, I just I'm I'm the lead in a short film that's premiering at Palm Springs in about a month in competition there, which is great. And I'm currently on a show called Harlem on Amazon Prime, um, and I hope that you know once the strike is over and that's the other thing. We're in the midst of a big to do in our in our industry. Um, hopefully I'll be asked back and, and have a job, <laughs> have something to do in the coming months. We'll see. And of the roles that you've mentioned, which one do you feel showcases you best? Which one do you own in a different way or feel? You know, it would it would still have to be the theater. Uh, that's the great paradox of it. You know, what we were mentioning as far as shifting focus to TV and film, I don't know that I shifted focus as much as it just, that's what you have to do in order to make a living. You know, I, I know I have friends who were able to string together the three or four odd off Broadway shows in a year and also pop with a, a Broadway contract for, you know, and, and make that, that living. That is exceptional unusual <laughs> right and it, it just ha so happened one i have the talent for the tv and film stuff and i was able to translate the theater game into the on-screen performance which i don't know is is particularly for me you asked the question i don't know if it's particularly different for me i think that the medium the stories match the medium and vice versa right like if I need to be shouting and big and reach the back of the room, the story calls for that. And that can happen on film and TV or it happens in the theater. And I think you just, the story and the text tell you everything you need to know. That's how I, that's how I work. Uh, well, and it kind of, uh, interestingly enough, when we were talking about fitness before, it also goes to muscle memory, right? It's, mm -hmm. it's conditioning. It's kind of core strength for an actor. Absolutely. No question. I kind of, not fell into, I mean, that was always where I wanted to go eventually. Uh, but my, my idea of a great actor is like, is a guy or gal who can do his or her theater, be on a TV series. If you get the opportunity to do film, great. And I, you know, I don't, to bounce between the, the, the mediums is great. I do though think that the theater and the ability to really kind of dig into the work. And maybe that's because of the rehearsal process, because we're doing it so many times a week, uh, because there's an extended run typically, You're, you know, you have an opportunity to grow in a thing. Um, and then the roles just tend to be more dynamic, you know? So like, I'm ready to do Hamlet, right? And you're, it, you're, it's few and far between where you're gonna get an opportunity to do roles of that import in film and TV. I mean, that, that would be the goal to become a TV or a, fil or a film star. But beyond that, the theater just offers you 
in that, again, that paradoxical way, you know, the theater does offer you more opportunity to really hone your skills and to, you know, refine your craft, um, whether it be on Broadway or regionally, you know, it's like, okay, you'll see tremendous performances from people. You'll never hear of them. You know, you never know who they are because they're performing not in some place that's being covered or in, in a mass market. So um, I would still have to say the theater is the thing. It just, All right. It's just tough to make a living. <laughs> yes, it is tough to make a living. And I think you have found your way for one focus to support the other and vice versa in a way that I hope is inspiring to our listeners. We've already run out of time, which is oh, wow. okay. So thank you so much, Luke. Watch for Dog, a comedy with Channing Tatum, as well as Harlem on Amazon Prime. And hopefully you'll be back in production soon. But uh, thank you for joining us today. Any last thoughts? No, I, I really appreciate the opportunity to just spend some time with you. And uh, yeah, if you're ever in Narrowsburg, come come find us at the Chihive. We're, we're always running around doing something cool. So We're there almost every day at 10 a.m. So <laughs> uh, thank you, Luke. And thank you, everyone who listened to Travels with Triggs. Travels with Triggs. Who's he gonna talk to now? What's he gonna talk about? Where are we gonna go? Travels with Triggs.